going on all month at hawkauto.com. Choose from Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, Subaru, Cadillac, Mazda, Volkswagen, and Nissan models, and a huge selection of pre-owned vehicles. Get New Year's savings with 0% financing for 60 months or make no payments for 90 days. And find your next car at hawkauto.com. Drive what I drive. Drive a hawk on select models with approved credit. Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Silk, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Uh-oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Guess what today is? It's Wilbon Day! Woo-hoo! Chicago native Michael Wilbon, host of Pardon the Interruption with Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. Wilbon joins us now on Tuesdays at 5 o'clock. Don't forget, we're on now till 6.30. He's brought to you by Waddle's guys over at Hawk. That is right. HawkAuto.com, Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Subaru, Cadillac, Mazda, NVW all in one place, hawkauto.com, where Chicagoland saves big. Where are you uh, today, Wilbon? I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Very nice. There are nice. worse places to be um, than Scottsdale. Yeah, most of them. <laughs> yeah, 70, 78 degrees oh. and cloudless, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Very nice. Very nice. What was your biggest takeaway from uh, Championship Sunday? Well, it mostly came from the Baltimore game um, where, you know, the Ravens playing at home had no discipline and no poise. And that's, you know, that's a bad thing. I mean, that's an, I don't know. That's sort of an indictment. And we know John Harbaugh is a great coach. I'm not going to go down that road. But they just, they lacked the necessary, you know, ingredients to win that game. Because they had, they had no discipline and poise. Despite not doing certain things well, and despite Kansas City being the great team that it is, they had chances to win that game if they don't implode. And uh, they imploded. The four uh, personal fouls, uh, you know, just, it's, you know, just sort of, they, they majored in dumb. And you don't expect that from the Ravens. Uh, and you've got the number one defense in the league. You're playing at home. You've got the MVP. I, you know, I'm not buying that you should lose to Kansas City. And I know the Chiefs are a great team, like, for the long haul, not just, for any one season, but that was I was disappointed in Baltimore, as you can tell. And the other game was just a good game. Each team had a great half in San Francisco. I think most people would have said, even if you're rooting for Detroit, and I was, most people would say that the 49ers were a better team going into that game, and they were sort of narrowly. With that in mind, is, would, would that lead you to think that what – would uh, what they decided to do on fourth down was an equitable decision on all fronts, or were you upset that they did what they did? I'm not upset. I just think it was the wrong call. Okay. I mean, you know, you don't. I understand that that coach and that staff and that team they got a great marriage, and that team bought into Campbell. I, I get it, but by the time you they bought into him months ago, you don't you don't have to prove that. When you're playing for the NFC Championship, you got to win the damn game. And he didn't do the things necessary to win the game that day. It was like you're not, you know, they're not going to doubt the manifesto. So win the game. 
Like, what are you trying to prove? Are you a believer that the decisions that were made were more influential on the outcome or the lack of player execution in some of those instances were more a result? I can't really separate those. And I heard somebody, Jeff, Saturday. I heard him this morning, too. Thing. Wasn't it great? I just, I'm going to call Jeff to tell him that that just made more sense. It was more persuasive and smarter anything I've heard on that topic. Well, you're going to think I'm dumb because I felt the other way. I felt that at the end of the day, Jeff was basically saying if like my argument for agreeing with what Dan Campbell did was a number of things. They're a good offense. They're not a great defense. This is who they've been. They were in San Francisco territory. You put it all together. And for me, I had no problem with any of his decisions. But with that in mind, I actually thought that player execution errors were a bigger yeah. issue than actually the calls. Because you can sit here and say, well, that's not the right call at the right time. But really it was if Josh Reynolds makes a play that he's paid handsomely to make. The same way that yeah, but don't I would you have to take in don't you have to take into account the possibility of players not executing when you make the call? I would That's d- part of making the call. Th- How certain am I that they're going to pull this off well, now? I would say that 20 out of 25 times this year on fourth and three and short, they were successful. So the odds... Is that what it was? Yes. 20 of 25? Yes. 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 80%. And, and I would suggest to Jeff and everybody... And I love Jeff. I'm not trying to take a shot at Jeff. But no, no, you, no, I know. you're also assuming... That your pretty average kicker, and in this case, the first one was a fairly short. But there is execution yeah. involved with kicking the field goal, yes. as the 49ers there found is. out on their first drive. Now, that is the comeback that makes the most sense to me. By the way, Tommy, I'm not saying that the other point of view is stupid and, and lame brain. I'm just saying right. I, I didn't agree with it. Um, yeah. I thought that, that some conservative thinking in that situation could have put Detroit ahead and put some more pressure on the 49ers. The 49ers haven't always answered the bell when it comes to pressure over the last five years either. Is is there like after last week and, and what we discussed with analytics and what you said on uh, PTI that Dan Campbell, like again, identity and what he said about wanting the upper hand, engaging the way the game was that this wasn't mm-hmm. about numbers, this was about feel, and this was about Good. the identity, that at least his decision-making went into that instead of yes. computing stuff. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go to that old Chris, Long, Chris, uh, Chris Rock line. I'm not doling out credit for doing something you're supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, coaches get paid to do more than be handed a formula sheet. Of course. And so, yeah, so I like what he did. And, and does I, do I find it a triumph of the day? No. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I always say my kids, I, I don't give my kids, years. they don't get extra credit for not doing drugs. But, I mean, that's just, a, you know, that's a <laughs> saying of mine. Uh, I like Dan Campbell a lot, and I thought the only yeah. mistake, Mike, that they made was running the football on yes. third down and having to call a timeout because yeah. you didn't get in. That, to me, was the only thing well, that personally yeah, made me feel bad. I wouldn't say the only, but I hear you on that mistake because then you have to kick on side. I mean, but even then it would have been threading the needle. I thought the fourth downs were mistakes in real life time, not second guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that I wouldn't go to bat for him? I wouldn't go to war with him? No, I'd go. But, you know, I just think those were mistakes, just like players can drop passes. Uh, or miss blocks or miss tackles. I think those things go in the same category for me. 
if you got Team Wilbon and you've got the same team with the same players um, and you need a quarterback and you need to finish off a season, you want Mahomes leading your team or you want Brady leading your team? Either. I, I definitely Not either, I no. Even, no, no, no. That's what uh, Ditka used to tell you know, us. We used to ask Ditka these types uh, of questions, and, and he used to I'll just shrug. You, okay, then I'll give, you my, I'll give you a better answer. I want Montana. How about that? <laughs> oh, you're going Montana. Okay. He's not available. You heard me. He's not available. You heard me. He's not available. I'll take Montana or Elway. Elway made it to the Elway. Super Bowl three times with no, with no team. He had no team. Tommy, you were just a, you were in college then. But you know those first three teams Elway had. He took to the Super Bowl. He did it by himself. He had no team. He had who did he have? He had Rick Upchurch. No, Van Jose. Was it Van Van Johnson? Van Jose. Van, Van Johnson. Johnson. Who's his running back Come at on. that time? Come on. Exactly. Come on. Well, that's on. just because I'm old in my head. Oh, Ricky Nateel Ricky wasn't Nateel. bad. They weren't bad. They it's weren't a not team. the same crew that Patrick Mahomes is taking with him to Vegas next Sunday. Yeah, no, see. come on. He's got a Hall of Fame tight end. Come on now. I would have said, I was going to ask you. My, I was going to ask I mean, Elway's great, but you yeah. can't take Elway over Mahomes and Brady. Montana's fine. I mean, but I, come on. You can't I, take Elway. I, I said, I said Monta- you can take Elway. I no. said Montana. I said Montana. Montana didn't lose any championship game, any any Super Bowl. None. Montana's acceptable. I, like I'll let you go with Montana. You can. Well, have- I always go with Montana. Montana. If somebody said to me, I said this to you guys recently. If if I had to play a game and my life was in the balance, who am I taking in the fourth quarter? I'm taking Joe Montana. Period. Do you think that, like, and we're not talking about accomplishment because I, I, I love Joe Montana as well. I will always believe mm-hmm. that Tom Brady's the most accomplished quarterback for yeah, the Super agree, Bowls. Agree, agree, agree with you, Tom. And 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 look, Montana. I was still, you know, I was of age to to know what good quarterbacking was. I was young, but when Montana was doing his thing, I got to tell you, I probably am mo- most impressed by what Patrick Mahomes has done, maybe followed by what Montana did with Brady. Brady will yeah. always be the GOAT because of the accomplishment. Yes, yes, yes. And I may be a prisoner of the moment, Mike, but I, for me, Patrick Mahomes has been the most impressive quarterback I personally have. I'm not going to argue against that. <laughs> there's, no, there's no argument against Mahomes right now. I will say I think you were on the wrong end. Okay. No, I guess you weren't. You weren't quite there yet. You'd been on the wrong end of a Montana shellacking once. Uh, it was in a Bears uniform. Oh, I was on I the wrong. Was, I was, was on the wrong end of a Steve Young shellacking. Maybe a yeah, Montana shellacking. Yeah, yeah. Possibly a Garcia shellacking. You're thinking of the at the ooh, end of the '88 ooh. season. Is that what you're thinking of? Yes, the 19 January of '89. Sylvie. Yeah, I was at that game. I covered that game. Oh, and it was but, freezing, but wasn't it? How cold was that it, game? Oh my God, it was great. It was so great. I'm oh, not no. going to argue against Patrick Mahomes. It's like. It's like having some argument and saying, okay, uh, we're going to talk about Kobe, Magic, and Bird. Hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, so have your flavor. I'm not going to argue against one of those guys. So I'm not going to argue against Mahomes, who is wearing greatness well and just, you know, and is up to the moment and does all the things you want a great player to do. Yes, 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 and yes. But I'm not going to forget what Montana was. I sat front and center for that. This is this is like though the start of Tiger Woods' career, is it not? 
as far as the success early That's on. That's a great analogy. That's a great call, Sylvie. Um, man, yeah. I mean, probably. Uh, I was trying to sort if, if I was going to draw a difference or distinction between them. There was something you, you know what Brady never did, and this is unfair because I remember I'm agreeing with you about accomplishments and where that puts Brady. Brady never brought you out of your seat. Montana did. Elway did. Mahomes, close, close. I'm talking about bring you out of your seat. Make plays. Like, I don't remember really any Montana plays. Montana, I'm sorry, any uh, Brady. Brady was just a genius from start to finish for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He just did the right thing for 20 years. I, I Like, I don't remember plays. I don't have plays that Brady made that I go, yeah. I mean, Eli Manning made a couple of plays that are more famous than Brady. Maybe because of scramble. But, I, but, but Montana, Montana made, come on, man. The, so I watched the other night, guys, I watched the entirety of the 1981 NFC Championship game, Cowboys 49ers, that resulted in the catch mm-hmm. in Candlestick. Oh, my God. The Hall of Famers in that game. And Jerry Rice wasn't even there yet. He wasn't there yet. But the level of play in Montana's play, and he threw three picks in that game. <laughs> but he also didn't throw 100 swing passes, which is what guys do now. That hadn't been invented yet. Nobody threw eight sideways passes a game yeah. and got credit for that in completion percentage. Do you know my, Montana my, on, threw on, the damn ball down the field? On on and that, took the consequence. On that note, Mike, I mean, this won't shock you because this is you know I mean this is kind of what you're talking about. I'm looking at the John Elway numbers, trying to figure out who his teammates were when they won that Super Bowl. You were talking about, right? It wouldn't right. shock you, would it, to know that he had 300 career touchdown passes and 226 interceptions, and for his career completed 57 percent of his passes and had a quarterback rating for his career of 79.9. It was just a different game back then. Ooh, yeah. Different game. I mean, nobody's going to tell me that Fran Tarkenton wasn't great, but look how many picks he threw. Didn't, he have a, didn't Fran Tarkenton have like a 30-interception season? Oh, yeah. Nobody's going to tell me Terry Bradshaw wasn't great. Nobody was throwing, you know, four-yard passes to the tight end 42 times a game. That wasn't, you know that. That wasn't going on, not to mention – Think of the mauling you took during your career at the line of scrimmage and beyond five yards deep. Jerry Rice took that, too. Guys don't have that anymore. They don't take that. So so the, the rules were so different. The games were so different. Tom Brady could get up and hold his hands up, hold his palms up, and say, where's the flag? And he'd get one because he begged for it hard enough. And, you know, um, come on now. John Elway's highest touchdown pass total in any season was 27. Never yeah. threw for 30 touchdown passes. Yeah. It was just a different game. He'd fit in well. A different game. Right yeah. now, and you know what? You know what? You know, you know what people talk about? People would say, how could you argue Art Monk was one of the greatest receivers of all time? And he had like 53 touchdown passes. Because Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs would rather go to jail than throw a pass inside the five-yard line. So once you got there, it was going to be run in. It wasn't going to be thrown in. The game was different. And I respect the game, and I respect the people who played it, and I respect their toughness and what they endured and what they took. I do. 
We need to have a Joe Gibbs drinking game with you. Yeah. Like every time you mention Joe Gibbs, everyone we would, drinks. Be, Listen, we would be, be so drunk. It could be, <laughs> it could be Walsh. It could be Parcells. It could be any of those. It could be, you know, a string of those guys uh, who were great, great coaches. You know, I mean, Ditka didn't sustain it long enough yeah. to be in that conversation. But obviously for like those three years going to those title games, who it was you, like, oh, my God. Who do you think was the, I mean, this is very subjective, obviously. So with that in mind, who do you think was the best slash most influential NFL coach of all time? Paul Brown. Well, of all time, I mean, you got Paul Brown, and I'm old enough to know coaches who are now in their 70s who would tell you that Paul Brown was because they all copied everything he did. And I knew, hello, Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. Sorry if people think that's name dropping. The fact is, these are the people that I got to know when sure. I was covering the league. Yep. No, they weren't playing, but they were in stadiums every week, and I thank God got to listen to them. So. How Paul about Bill Brown, Walsh, especially how the well, offensive say, game is in played. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, I'm going to say Bill Walsh because you can look at the 49ers and see modern football. So to me, he invented the modern passing game, invented it. And so, yeah, so Bill Walsh is certainly at the top of that. You you could make the argument he would be right there, even with Paul Brown. I know there are people who would say that don't get crazy, but for me. And somebody who, you know, I, I, I mean, I got to see Bill Walsh created something to beat the 46 defense. Otherwise, the Bears might have won a, a million. Remember, and then Joe Gibbs modified that to some degree. But Gibbs and Walsh, Walsh and Gibbs in that order, they basically had to beat a defense that would literally put the quarterback in the hospital every week. Remember, Tom Landry couldn't do it because he asked Danny White to go back in the game after you guys had knocked out Steve Pelour and Danny White. And Danny White said to his Hall of Fame hat fedora-wearing coach, I love you, but no, I'm not going back <laughs> in no because I might be killed. <laughs> no mas. All right, so, so look, you can make Buddy Ryan that guy. The problem is when Buddy was countered, the league then changed the rules to keep Buddy from coming back at it. The league said, no, we, we, we don't, we like our quarterback not to be in the hospital. So we're going to change the rule and take out head slaps and take out, we're going to eliminate Richard Dent. We're going to eliminate Wilbur Marshall blitzing from 15 yards away and putting quarterbacks in the hospital, Joe Ferguson. So, no, so I saw that stuff. So I'm not a prisoner of the moment, as you guys know. I mean, you know, I understand Patrick Mahomes is never going to play against that. But don't ask me to see not to see it. Have, have Joe Theismann on sometime. Have Joe Theismann on and let him tell you what it was like. Mm-hmm. For a real human being that people know, people still know who Joe Theismann is. Joe has nightmares. I'm, I'm being literal now. Joe has nightmares about the 85 Bears defense. Coming to get him. Joe's like 74. Right. And Lawrence Taylor. Okay. And, 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 and Lawrence, God knows. And Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Look, I always say Lawrence Taylor's the greatest defensive player I ever saw, but the Bears defense is the greatest defense I ever saw, and Lawrence Taylor didn't play for that. But it's great to talk about all these 
offenses and Patrick Mahomes. It's great to talk about all this stuff. And you can talk about them all because the NFL decided we want quarterbacks having commercials on Subway and State Farm, and we want them to be alive and sane. So we're going to take out, we're going to eliminate Richard Dent. And that's what they did. Do you want me to make you feel really old, Mike, all of us? Do you know, you said that? That, that, that Joe Theismann, he's 74 years old now. And right. his and his ex wife, remember Kathy Lee Crosby? I, I don't you don't ask me why I've gone. I don't just, remember, remember. I lived Yeah. Joe Thighs was the first professional athlete, he and Sugar Ray Leonard. Yes. I ever got to know. I love them both and know their yes, their family. I thought you were gonna say that you everything. lived with Kathy Lee Crosby. <laughs> Not lived with, but you know. <laughs> She's seventy nine years old. Yeah. We are yeah. old as jerk oh, these days. Is is I just I just I, I owe Joe a text now. Joe Seisman is you know one of my favorite people in life. Again, when I was 21 years old and I went to the Washington, I'm going to say at Redskins training camp or his locker room on a practice day, and Joe was a star by then. Joe was a big star. He had been a star at Notre Dame, and he could have told me to get away. I was 21. And Joe always gave me the time of day. He helped me understand the the modern game of pro football. He helped me understand how to deal with modern star athletes. So I'm 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 never able to repay Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann also won a Super Bowl and got his team to another. Was a two time MVP. So yes, I. You know those people aren't memories for me. I'm shit. I'm 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 damn old myself. Yeah. I'm almost as old as they are. Tell me though that you're like not yelling at the clouds about Taylor Swift. I don't I don't like I admire what she's done with her career. I don't know anything about her. I don't know her music. I don't know one song. But you're not, not like mad, you're not mad at the brief cutaways over Taylor Swift, are you? No, are they pandering at the lowest level or the highest level? Sure. But I, you know, I, I get it. I understand that the Kansas City Chiefs have fans who n- don't even know what the Kansas City Chiefs are. They don't even know where Kansas City is. They couldn't point it out on a map of Missouri and Kansas. So I get that that's the deal. I don't care about it. I, I, I don't know any of her music. I'm never going to go to a concert or anything like that. But it seems to me what I've learned about her watching and reading is she's an amazing young woman and I give her, you know, all the credit in the world, but that has nothing to do with my assessment or love of football. Not mine. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, are the Bulls going to do anything before the trade deadline? That's a great question. I know there's a lot of, you know, you know, butterflies around, you know, flying around trying to get trades done. I don't like this, this trade that's out there, that Zach Levine would go to Detroit. It's like, and what? And Detroit would get what out of that? Yeah. Zach Levine's going to change Detroit. <laughs> he can't enhance a team that actually is in the playoffs, or at least in the play-in. That what would be like about? Bulls punishment, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's. First of all, I can't even see him re- reporting to Detroit. If I'm his agent, right. I tell the the, the, the Pistons, look. We'll retire rather than report, so don't even make that trade. But I don't understand what you you got to get. What you get two young players and a pick. So if you're the Bulls, maybe it makes sense. But if you're Detroit, here's the only question. 
I'd ask to anybody who's watched three NBA games the last five years each, how can Zach Levine change the, the, the Detroit Pistons? And the answer is he can't. So, so I hear that trade rumor, and I just go, please stop. Just stop. Like, stop. Um, and I don't know of any I – don't, I don't know of, like, how des- – okay, so, look, I said to you guys about three weeks ago, I think the best hope for a deal is that the Lakers are desperate. Well, we got, what is it, the 8th of February is the trade yeah, deadline? Yeah, February 8th. All right, so there's whatever. There's, there's 10 days or whatever. Could the Lakers, like, lose to Atlanta tonight after getting shellacked by 30? They were down 30 at Houston last night. Could the Lakers be desperate enough that Rob Palenka goes to LeBron and says, look, Bron? You, you see this. We're in 10th, or we're in 9th, or we're in 11th. And we're not, you know, there's no way out of this in terms of what we got on hand. What do you think? And to me, you've got to go to LeBron and ask him that, because LeBron has got to then be Zach Levine's tag team partner. LeBron's got to convince Zach he's got to play two ways, huh. in a way that he hasn't with the Bulls, except sparingly. LeBron's got to shoulder that at 40 years old. So I don't know. I don't know how LeBron feels about that. LeBron may love Zach Levine and say, yeah, let's do it. Well, but Hart- he may say, you know, what are we doing? Isn't, like, right now probably the most probable route that they're going to probably have to be stuck with Zach until the offseason, and DeMar and Caruso are the guys who are going to be dealt? Well, I know there are people who want Caruso. Like, I hear Oklahoma City wants Caruso. And I see why. But I, they'd have to give up Josh Giddy. Well, they got a ton of made, picks, don't they? Like, they got, well, I'm saying, I didn't say Josh Giddy's all. But it, but it is, I mean, Caruso's not even a full time starter. So if you're Oklahoma City, as it, shrewd as they are, you're probably saying, get out of here. But if, 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 if Giddy's going to be on the market, then I'm listening. Come on, this kid is like 21 years old, 6'8. Can pass it, can score it, can defend, you know, can do a lot of things that the Bulls have been in need of since it's not going to work out, you know, with a, a really promising young point guard that they had t- hitched their wagon to. But maybe, maybe, I don't know. The, the point is, you got to get lucky in a deal like that. Um, who wants DeMar? What have you guys been hearing on that? Well, I mean, like, it, it, he's, he's a free agent, someone's going to want yep. him. He's a oh, you mean in the summer? You don't mean no, in the next now. nine days? Oh no! Don't you think someone's oh. going to want him for their their postseason run? I would. I would. I'd like Demar Derozan on my team. Me too. But so, who are the teams right out there right now who are in need of some toughness, some full court play? So, I mean, mental tough. I, so, hell, the Suns are one of them. Yeah, but the there Bulls. are other people out there. <laughs> Who, who else did you say? You I say Dallas? The, I, no, I said the Bulls. <laughs> he said the Bulls. Yeah, ain't that the truth? What about the Sixers? Uh, Dallas, Dallas, the Sixers. Those are yes. So yes, all those teams to me. But what are they going to give the Bulls back? What makes sense? What am I getting to build with? You're probably just not getting a lot. That's the problem. That's the problem, and I don't want the. I don't want the. I don't want our tourists to give away the store. He's giving it away. <laughs> Have the store. Here are the, the keys. Problem. Here's the keys. His you pick what you want out of the store. That's the problem. Yeah. 
78 degree in the desert on a sunny, cloudless day, yeah. and now you depressed the hell out. I know. Sorry. You know what we're selling in that store? Like cut-off jeans and tank tops and old clothing that doesn't <laughs> fit anymore and doesn't look very good. I'm parked next to a store in a nice mall here. My sister's closet left, you know, secondhand yeah. clothes. So I'm, that's appropriate. Yeah, that's yes. right there. I look, look here's, the, here's the best scenario. The best scenario is the Bulls who have played better. I don't know what their record in the last 25 games is, but they played better. They're above 500 in that stretch. Like, is the East so crazy now? The East is much more interesting now than it was a month ago. Don't, don't, don't try the to Bulls sell this. Aren't a headliner. To... The Bulls aren't a, they're not a headliner. Don't give me the number six seed again. Don't by by the way, by, yeah, listen, no, no, listen, no, 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 listen. no, 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 You know the Heat are the seventh seed right now. They're 24 and 23. If you fast forward right. like a month and a half from now, they're going to be kicking everyone's ass and making everybody yeah. angry. Yeah, we, yeah, we keep waiting on them. They've lost, they've lost what, seven in a row? Uh, it's the, they're, it's, it's going Jimmy to be it's Groundhog Day again. Yeah. They're going to win the first play yeah. I tend to agree with you. I, I like this Bulls team a lot better than I liked it December 1st. I like it better with – um, I do. I, 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 I like it better with Kobe having 10 assist games. I, I'm just saying um, there's a – at least there's a, there's a stick-to-itiveness, there's a spirit to the team now that I like better. And I, I'm – you know, I, I, I turn on, look, they can lose any game, they can blow any lead. But they've also had some good games. They've had some good games. They've been more fun, but that's how much team. they've beaten us up. You know what I mean? They've beaten yeah, us agreed. up so silly agreed. that we have appreciated a stretch we've where they're like the four bar. over 500. We've, yeah. We've lowered the bar, Sylvie. But, yeah. but hey, look, they're not going to be, this is not, they're not Boston. They're not, they're not, they're not a favorite to do anything. So I'm trying to watch and enjoy for what it is. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we agree on the bottom line here. Just, I think getting there could be a little bit more fun than you guys are letting me in. There was a time when I'd rather slam my hand in the door. That, that time's no longer here, but I, you know, it doesn't. Here we mean, have it. Yeah. Like, that's a low there bar. I would rather watch yes, Bulls basketball than slam my hand in the door. You'd rather watch it in the Blackhawks right now. That's true. Yeah. All right. Good yeah. stuff, All Michael. Right, thanks, Michael. Enjoy the day. All right, you guys. Be safe. There you go. There's Michael Wilbon that, that every is, Tuesday. That's that was, the Bulls. It was some good stuff what right there. What store do the Bulls reside in? My they sister's say, my sister's closet. Secondhand store. Secondhand store. Yes. My sister's closet. <laughs> How funny was that? Did you see this from Albert Brewer? Texans OC Bobby Slowick has agreed to a new deal in Houston within the past few days, one that includes a significant raise per sources. Slowick impressed multiple NFL clubs through the interview process, but he's sticking in Houston. He'll be a hot name in 2025. I was going to say, listen, if you are off that tree, that Shanahan McVay tree, and we've already seen him do good things in his first stint as an OC, don't you don't have to rush to take a bad job. You don't know what's going to open up a more desirable job. I don't think that. I mean, I think you can you can turn that Washington or that Seattle job into a pretty good job for sure. But I, I maybe this is the new trend, is that the better young OCs aren't going to just pick up and move after one or two years. You see Bra- uh, Ben Johnson when they're staying, successful, right? Yeah. 
Like, if you're Bobby Slowick Jr., right now, you're part of something that's really cool in Houston. Right. Your head coach is a rock star, both as a player and as a coach now. Everyone loves him. Your quarterback's a rock star. Ride the, uh, the C.J. Stroud experience. Yeah, I, I, could under, I understand why he's deciding to stay where he is. Um, so here's Albert Breer. Breer's been uh, really good with a, a lot of the newsmaking that he's done. He was on with Cap and Jay Hood. He is every Tuesday at 835. This was him uh, talking about the Bears offensive coordinator search and some of the things that he was hearing after the Bears did land on Shane Waldron. But uh, he's well connected with a lot of the candidates who was involved in this. And this is what he heard from the search and what the Bears were saying. Yeah, um, well, let me put it this way to you. Like, I, I think some of the guys who went through there and did, you know, interviews, um, did the coordinator interviews there, one of the things that excited them about the job was the chance to take Caleb Williams. And, um, you know, I, like, in those interviews, I, I will say that, you know, Matt Eberflus, from my understanding, like, he did defend um, Justin Fields and his performance and stuck up for him. Was that today or was that the one from last week? I think he said something today that he had said with the the, the I don't I didn't hear last week, but I think last week he no, yeah, mentioned that was today. That but was he put right. that in a column last week, right? right. So today was the first time I'd heard Albert talk about potential head uh, or excuse me, offensive coordinators, and part of the draw to this job would be the potential of coaching Caleb Williams or the first overall pick. So what did you make of what he said there? Is that is that the long? The entire part of the bite that I need to play, or is well, there, there, is there? Go ahead. I think hour. that was the juicy part where he said he was talking about the OCs are excited about working with Caleb Williams, but then there was more context that he added later about. Yeah, where is that? That's right next to it, the one where uh, Eberflus defending okay. Justin Fields. All right, so this is this is a, a little bit more there about uh, defending Fields and, and uh, Caleb Williams as well. In those interviews, I, I will say that you know Matt Eberflus, from my understanding, like. He did defend um, Justin Fields and his performance and stuck up for him. And um, but I, I mean, I think you know if you're if you're looking at it like, does Justin Fields deserve a fourth year in Chicago? Yeah, he does absolutely. Um, he's continuing to get better. You can win with him, um, and you know I think he's made of the right stuff. And um, can you do with Justin Fields what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts? Absolutely, no question about it. You know, and I think there may even be another level in them. But the, the the problem is, is like now it's like coming to the point where, all right, we have to, if we keep him, guarantee him 25 or $30 million for 2025. And now we got to think about signing him to a long-term extension. And, you know, you look at that and it's like, okay, if we do that, then we trade the first pick. And so it's Justin a bounty of picks versus just sitting there trading Justin, taking Caleb with the first pick. And now you have a quarterback who's got generational ability and talent on a rookie contract for the next four years. And so you're taking the financial part out of it. Now you can build aggressively with the extra money that you have. Um, I think that's really the question here. And I, I really, I think, like, the people who are telling you it'd be Caleb over Justin, like, it's not like Justin's a bust. It's more, this is a very unique opportunity with a very uniquely talented player. Um, and that's a, a, a uniquely talented player you're going to have a fraction of the cost that it would that it would take to, to keep Justin for the next three or four years. And that's what we've always said. Like, this wasn't ever going to be the Justin Fields uh, 
year that we were going to judge them on, or, but because they fell into the first overall pick, that's why it was expedited. Yeah, and for me, there's I'm not as dialed into the financial portion of this as the biggest determining factor as others. I get it. I'm not ignoring it. The resetting it, the clock portion. It, yeah, and I and I I understand that. But if 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 Albert feels and others feel that Justin like he mentioned that that he sees Justin being able to do what Jalen Hurts did and maybe that there's even a step above Jalen Hurts for Justin Fields. Jalen Hurts was an enormous reason why the Eagles got to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Was he surrounded by a lot of talent? Absolutely. But Jalen Hurts played his ass off two years ago to help get them to the Super Bowl and got a a $220 million contract, whatever the case may be. There is an enormous divide for me between the concept of Justin being a bust, and I don't believe he is, to Justin can be an even better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I think if Ryan Poles believes, and and look, I don't think Jalen Hurts is a top-five quarterback. But he's also young and making, you know, he made progress last year. This year was a bit of a step back. But I think if they feel the, up at Hallis Hall the way that, that, that Albert described, that they think that he deserves another year in his fourth year and can be a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, if, I think if they feel that up at Hallis Hall, there's a much better chance they move forward than Justin than I thought there was. Because that's what you took out of that. that yeah. Instead of like the. Like, because Cap was thinking when he heard this. But well, let me put it this way to you. Like, I, I think some of the guys who went through there and did, you know, interviews, um, did the coordinator interviews there, one of the things that excited them about the job was the chance to take Caleb Williams. So you didn't that, think that that was the headline? The, well, I, I mean, there to me, yes. In terms of the overall conversation, I understand that. I'm not telling you that the offensive coordinators see Justin the way that Albert does. My point is, is if the Bears coaches see Justin the way Albert does, and Albert was just giving you his opinion, that he thinks that he can be the same quarterback and maybe a step above Jalen Hurts. I'm telling you, if Ryan Poles feels the way that Albert Breer does and thinks that, then this is a more difficult decision oh, yeah. than, than, than I would think. I don't know if they feel that way. Up there, I don't know that that's true or that's false. I would say that the if you're an offensive coordinator and you're coming to meet with the Chicago Bears, that's a given to me that there would be excitement about the potential of being able to to build with the first overall pick in the draft and a kid that a lot of people think is a special talent. Like that's got to be a draw. Like this isn't coming to Chicago and trying to build with Caleb Haney. Okay, you're either going to, if you feel strongly about Justin moving forward or the first overall pick of the draft. If you're Shane Waldron, aren't you? I mean, you're licking your lips at the thought of possibly getting an opportunity to work with a guy that everybody thinks could be a difference-making quarterback in this league. Aren't you? I mean, yeah, of, of course. That's uh, a draw. But, but, but just like a lot of these coaches are withdrawing their names from a head coaching position, because they may feel that it's not in their best interest to put themselves in a situation that isn't perfect for them. Would a coach like those are two hugely drastic differences? Absolutely. Going with like I, I understand the Bears want to say to them, "Hey, can you fix Justin? Can you can you work with Caleb Caleb Williams?" 
Well, but those are two. If if you're Shane Waldron and you have the pick of the litter, or many choices on which where you could go from the offensive coordinator standpoint, wouldn't you want to to have a huge choice in the matter? Absolutely. So I, I mean, I, I'm saying that all I'm saying to you is is that I do believe. It doesn't matter if Ryan Poles or Matt Eberflus are telling you as you're Shane Waldron, hey, listen, there's a chance we're going to take. Well, of course there's a chance you're going to take Caleb Williams. If I'm Shane Waldron and I, I would be excited about the opportunity to be the guy that could mold this guy potentially into one of the great young quarterbacks in the National Football League. I don't know if he feels that way. I don't know if Ryan Poles feels that way, but you've got a chance. Like, your options are, it's not like you've got to move up to draft this quarterback. Everything's at your disposal. And I think as an offensive coordinator, that's got to be appealing to you. You've got so many great opportunities. It's not like, hey, Arthur Smith just went to Pittsburgh. Guess who you get to work with? Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett, and Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch is like, gone. if you're an offensive coordinator that's interviewing with the Bears, you've got a better situation right, right. than what they just, what Arthur Smith just signed up for. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, this is also from Albert Breer. How is Luke Getze viewed around the league? And Breer uh, actually had uh, later in the day that um, Getze is interviewing in New England for the OC job, and he's going tomorrow to get a second interview with the Saints for their OC job, and he's already interviewed um, with the Raiders for their OC job. He's very well respected. Um, and in fact, I think there uh, are people out there that think he did a pretty good job. You know, the last couple of years, all things considered, um, bringing Justin along, um, building an off- offense for Justin, weathering the injuries, having a rookie quarterback ready to go, and Tyson Bajan. Um, you know, it wasn't an ideal situation the last two years. And so I do, I would say there are enough people that feel like, you know, like that, that, that the potential that he had two years ago when he was hired um, and became an offensive coordinator, that potential is still there. And some of the circumstances were an issue for him in Chicago. And, like, guys, if, if you thought it was broken, right, like if you're Matt Eberflus and you thought it was broken, then why did, like, every guy you look at come from the same tree? Right, like they were looking to continue on what Luke Getzey had built, and that sort of McBay, Shanahan, Lafleur type of system, right? And they go mm-hmm. and get a guy who fits that in Shane Waldron. So I think that's also, I'd say, proof at least that that Eberflus and, um, and and Poles and those guys didn't think the thing was completely broken. I'm not. Sh- Listen, the system works. Like Luke may not be the best coordinator of said system. He may be not be the best conductor. And Justin may not be the best quarterback in that style. The system works. It works everywhere. I mean, look at the, 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 the playoffs. They're flooded with this system or an offshoot of this system. Now, again, did I think everything that, that Luke Etsy did was, was perfect? No. Was I critical of some of the things he did? Absolutely. But I said to you on a number of occasions, I don't think Luke Getze is the, the, um, the football Satan. I just don't. I think the system works. And, and I would say, you know, great coordinators often are forced to tailor their system to the player's skill set. He didn't come here to run 
the Greg Roman offense. Right. He, he he came here to run what had worked in in Green Bay, and and I can already hear people saying, "Well, it's easy when you've got Aaron Rodgers. What if you got Jordan Love? The system works for Jordan Love. System works for you know a lot Jared of people. Goff. Works for Jared Goff. It works for a lot of teams. Look works at, for it works for Baker Mayfield. Look at Jared Goff's numbers in the year between Sean McVay and Ben Johnson. They were reading his numbers today. Look at the year. I think it was Anthony Lynn doing the offense. Yeah, it was look, the first year in look, Detroit. The first year in Detroit. Look at those. Look at those numbers in the year that he wasn't in the quote McVay offense. Look at look at that. Like the difference that that makes when you're not in it. Yeah. Look, it, it just you know it wasn't going to it wasn't going to 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 work going forward here, whether it's with Justin or not with Justin. It just. It, it, they needed to cut ties. But as Albert said, it doesn't mean they don't believe in the style because everybody's running the style. Right. And it, not everyone's running it exactly the same, but the system works. Right. It's a great point. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. They're still doing it, by the way. A former teammate of Jay Cutler calls him out today. We've got the audio. We're going to play it for you coming up next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. All right, so um, uh, again, some of my most memorable times on this show was the years that we had the Jay Cutler show. And then the year that they decided to split the show with Jay Cutler and uh, Brandon Marshall. Everything at the beginning of the season was great. Jay didn't want to do the show on a weekly basis anymore. So him and Brandon went into the year all good. And then things started spinning out of control. That was the second Trustman year. And um, and I always would say, like, uh, Cuddy then during the breaks would say to us during the break how bad things were between him and B. Marsh. And then uh, during the Marshall shows on the weeks that he would do it, Brandon would tell us how bad things were between him and Cuddy. <laughs> it was it was it was just crazy to hear these stories during the break. It was a roller coaster. Roller coaster uh, to hear these stories off the air. We were in the middle of this this drama as the Bears under Trestman were spinning out of control, all in front of the audience at these bars. You know, you always wonder, hey, what are the hosts talking about with yeah. the uh, with their guest? Well, in the 2014 season. We were talking about how much they hate each other. That's what that, that's, that's what we were talking about in front of you guys. Um, B. Marsh would say, hey, Sylvie, when we come back from break, ask me about Josh McCown. I'm like, well, why? Because I want to say how good he is to stick it to Cutler. It, it, I can't make this stuff up. So Brandon Marshall was on with RG3 today on his podcast. And again, the Cutler relationship comes up. It it always does. And this is uh, what they talked about. Jay was just such a he was such a 
I would go out there run the route, and maybe I, I wore something that he ain't like that day. I may have said something to me today. Maybe it was a little too edgy, and then he'll throw the ball in the dirt. Like, I run a beautiful comeback, and then the ball just hit the ground, and he just... I'm like, come on, bro. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? I give Jay Cutler a hard time, but I will say, like, he taught me a lot. A lot of things off the field, the books that I read, parenting. So I learned so much from Jay Cutler, but Jay Cutler was a d- he really was. I love Jay Cutler. I did. I've had my own encounters with Jay, and he was fine. I didn't have to be a teammate with him, so that's different. And I think the overwhelming majority of people that have been teammates with him would agree with what you just said. As a teammate, you would love him. For me, it was that, like you said, that special relationship. I was almost like baby brother to him. I'm not surprised. That's kind of like we saw that up close and personal. But yet he's still calling him yeah. a dick. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think. Why did we believe I did? But that was that bleeped out for yeah, the yeah, uh, that show was from purposes. Their, yes, their yeah. social feed bleeped it. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I think Jay would probably smile and say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it was kind of a dick. Would he say that? Or he was a dick, Or would he say that B-Marsh was, like, you, didn't, you couldn't count on B-Marsh. Is that what he would say? That every day was... I don't know what he'd say, but I think that there was in between some of the Yanks, they 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 found common ground for sure. Yeah, yeah, crazy. It was an entertaining time to be a Bears fan, that's for sure. Oh my goodness, they did make beautiful music together for times. You know, whether it was in Denver, the the reuniting in uh, Chicago. Brandon Marshall as a player was was beastly. Like he was strong. You know, I mean, you were getting 1,500 receiving yards from him, weren't you? I forget what his stats were, but 1,300, whatever yeah, it was. Between 1,200 and 1,500, yeah, usually yeah, 100-plus yeah. catches. Oh, he was so good. Double-digit touchdowns. Yeah. Um, but it was always something. Yeah. You know what I mean? He always, he, he, didn't, he didn't do well with success. He always, he still, he was never happy. Look, and a lot of it had to do with mental health. You know, he always he talked about that. He had eight seasons of over 1,000 yards. Um, all right, Aki's A-list coming up, and if you want to talk to us, remember, we're now on till 6.30. We'll cross-talk with Black and Abdallah at about 6.15.